Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, October 18. To be dignified in the true sense does not mean to be proud, pompous, or conceited. Dignity is his who lives calmly at his own inner center. A person of true dignity recognizes and bows to the divine in all. He keeps his mind open to the views and suggestions of others, but always weighs them first against the understanding he's acquired from his own experience. I've mentioned, I believe, in other uh, of the readings in this particular book, that the word dignity is a word that Swami Kriyananda uses often. And I have to actually say, this puts the meaning of the word dignity really into context. And I think dignity, of of all the qualities, it's, it's really, really lacking in our present society. For, for a person to be dignified, it just doesn't happen. I remember sitting with Swami Kriyananda once in a very nice restaurant, and he, he just commented, you know, that, that it's unfortunate that men don't wear formal clothes more often, because he said when men dress in formal clothes, it, it brings out an innate nobility in the masculine spirit that is, is, um, is the higher octave of what masculine energy is, and I'm not talking about men and women, I'm talking about uh, the, the masculine force, which is a divine force. You know, it's just, it changes us. Normally, I, I, I dress comfortably, and once, and when I travel, I try to dress in an appropriate way, but also comfort is always the first thing I think about when I'm going to be on an airplane. But on one occasion, I live in Northern California, I had to fly to Southern California for a wedding, and just because of the timing of my commitments on commitments in the morning of that day, the timing of getting to the wedding, um, we had to travel dressed for the wedding. Um, and I mean, I wasn't a maid of honor or anything, but I just I was dressed far differently than I had ever traveled that I would ever travel. And it was, and my companions were also dressed differently. It was amazing to me how different I felt, and in a positive way how different I behaved. And the actual word for it was dignity. It was like the, the very clothes that we wear these days are, are exceedingly undignified. You know, that we wear sweatshirts, we wear sweatpants, um, sometimes we wear these low rider pants, or we wear pants that are extremely, uh, well, I'll, I'll use a phrase that I learned from, there's a, a, a very fine teacher who's popular now, whose name is Sadhguru, Sadhguru. He's from India, and I, I'm not a follower of his in any way, but I see his teaching, and I, I'm well impressed. And he works a lot with young people, college-age students. That's part of his ministry. And someone, he often takes question and answer. This was all I saw on film. I've never seen him in person. And someone asked him, what do you think about modest dress for women versus immodest dress? I don't even know if those words even mean anything now. But, And, and he answered... He said, well, he said, a a person, especially a woman, 
he says, a person has many aspects to their nature. They have their character, they have their intelligence, they have their enthusiasm, they have their interests, they have their talents. And then he said, and they also have their biology. He said, when a woman dresses in a provocative manner or an immodest manner, he said, she is, this is the words you, she is leading with her biology. So he says, it's just a question of what you want to lead with. How do you want to introduce yourself to people? If you've put your body on display in a way that is, is very much to be seen, well, then you're leading with your biology. It, people will notice that you are female before they will notice many other things. And they will notice the specific aspects of your femaleness before they will notice many other things. Same goes for men. It's just the question is usually asked about women. Um, because historically, um, the, the sexual response from people who are attracted to women is visual. The male sexual response is visual. So the vision of, of the female body arouses sexual thoughts in the, in the minds of men. I have to say now, this world is so mixed up, I don't know what. So mixed together. It's hard to, it's hard to say anything direct, but that's the tradition. You're leading with your biology. And your biology is not necessarily the most dignified part of you. And dignity, Swami talks about, is just being, that's why the clothes, that's why he said, he laments the fact, because now the clothes, if, if they just lack dignity. We're leading with our biology a great deal of the time, or we're just, there's no shape, there's no color, there's no um, artistic line, there's no... Uh, well, there's no dignity. That's the only word that I can keep coming back to. Dignity, Swami describes, as not being pompous or conceited. It's not, oh, I'm important. It's, I mean, that's not dignity. That's ego. Dignity is always living calmly at the center of yourself. To, to be not, not reactive, but responsive. And dignity is very kind. Dignity is very open. Dignity has nothing to defend. <clears throat> If, if you're dignified, you're just calmly centered in your own reality. And from that position, you can graciously welcome everyone else's reality. Just be as open as, as it is appropriate to be <clears throat> to ideas and other ways of being. It's not saying my way is the best way or I'm better than you or anything like that. It's just the opposite. It's being so strongly comfortable. I know who I am. And I don't have to assert who I am at all. I rest in who I am. That's what true dignity is, is we just rest in who we are. And Swami adds this here, that we're open to other people's ideas, but everything is weighed against the understanding I have from my own experience. So dignity is also relying quietly and confidently on my own experience. And I, I'm going to go back to this, this word for a moment about this part of it, about being open to others. When, whenever we're not open to others, it always is reflective of a certain insecurity. This is what fanaticism is. Fanaticism is, it has to be my way, there's no other possibility. I was on a, a radio program decades ago when I still lived at Ananda Village, and we were very much into the back-to-the-land communities at a time when that was all very new. Um, you know, organic farming and vegetarianism and having a, a goat dairy and having fresh raw milk and 
um, just all building our own homes, all the characteristics of the lifestyle at that point, which were of interest to people because it was a, a, a national phenomenon. And I was invited to be on this radio show. Um, and I, I, I was there in the station because this was be- long before internet radio. So I was there in the station with this man. And our spiritual beliefs, uh, having a guru meditating, was, is, was definitely part of Ananda, and it wasn't a secret. But the emphasis on the program was the lifestyle, not the spirituality. But in the pre-program conversation, getting to know my host, I found out that he was a, a dedicated Christian, that Jesus, he'd given his life to Jesus, and Jesus had essentially saved his life because he'd just been a drug addict on the street. And this devotion to Jesus had saved him, you know, spiritually and literally from a terrible fate. But because of the intensity of the contrast before and after he gave his life to Jesus, he didn't have a lot of margin for other realities. He had to hold on really tight. I mean, those addictions, for those of us who have not been, have not had that karma, those, that karma is to be deeply respected in the sense that it has a power that uh, one, ha- one has to be, one is justified in doing whatever you need to do to, to keep from falling back into it. That's how I would put it. I mean, I think about it sometimes. I have a two-story house and sometimes I'm up in my, my uh, bedroom and as, as a, a writer friend talked about, not a friend, but someone I read, she talked about procrastinating when you're a writer, and she talks about sitting down to write, but, but somewhere in the house, a piece of chocolate was calling her name. <laughs> and she talked about how she had to get up and find the chocolate that was calling her name. So I'll be up in my bedroom, and a cookie downstairs will start calling my name. And I'll decide that I don't need that cookie, that I've had plenty of food, that, you know, that if I wish to keep anything resembling my slim girlish figure, I really should not eat that cookie, on and on and on. And then I watch myself go downstairs and get the cookie. I mean, it's just a cookie. I mean, imagine um, if it's alcohol or drugs or something where your whole physiology has shifted, whatever it might be. So this man had found Jesus and it had saved his life. So when we got on the air, and he had either I told him or he knew enough about who I was, which was not consistent with who he was spiritually. So when we got on the air, he felt obligated to witness for Jesus. And so he starts essentially going after me to, to prove that my teaching is wrong and his teaching is right. Now, I was really in a bind because here we have a live radio audience and there's much that I could say that would be helpful. But I did not want to do anything to undermine this man. I didn't want to say a single word that might cause him to be one iota less committed because that would, that would have been totally cruel to him. So once I saw where it was going, I said, you know, I'm not actually here to discuss our spiritual path. I'm here to discuss our natural lifestyle. And then I went silent. And I refused to answer any questions, live radio. I just refused to answer any questions until he went back to the goat dairy and the organic gardening. And, uh, oh, I think I said to him, my spiritual path allows for both of us and your spiritual path doesn't, so there's really nothing to discuss. I mean, that was the only thing I could say that I thought was true that wouldn't hurt him. 
And then I, I just said, I'm not going to talk about it. Um, now, I think in, res in retrospect, that was a very dignified response. You see, I had nothing to prove because I was quite comfortable in what I was doing. And he was, was strong in what he was doing, but you could see he wasn't secure in it. He had to keep asserting it to the whole world to keep himself strong. And he wasn't dignified in it. He wasn't acting from a calm level of understanding. There was no way that he could be open to what I was saying. I was perfectly open to what he was saying. And in other circumstances, I might have been able to find more to say, but in a half-hour live radio show, it just wasn't the moment. You know, it's just, there, there it is. So what we have to cultivate in ourselves is those qualities which allow us to be dignified. And like many things that we're trying to accomplish, um, before, before it's spontaneous, we can assume it. But we, we, we must also understand that assuming it, assuming the right attitude, assuming the right response, is not the same as having the right response. Having it is because we have shifted our inner consciousness. We have practiced continuously. Why do I need to defend myself? Sri, uh, Sri Yukteswar, I believe it's he in Autobiography of a Yogi, says, you know, wise men discuss, fools argue. And he gives several suggestions, one of which I absolutely adore. When people um, are trying to persuade you of something that you're not inclined to believe, rather than argue with them, you just say very thoughtfully, well, perhaps you're right. And then you can add after that, I'll think about it. And I found on many occasions when people are trying to argue with me, um, what I, I can say, well, perhaps you're right. Or thank you for pointing that out to me, I'll think about it. And that's often how I've responded when somebody said something that I'm that that from my own understanding, from my own experience, I don't agree with them, but they've pointed it out to me, and I'm grateful that they've pointed it out to me because it gives me an opportunity to reflect and make sure I'm not just being stubborn and closed minded. And I said, Well, thank you for pointing that out to me. I'll remember it or I'll think about it. I've often advised people when they uh, are new on the spiritual path and people around them try to tell them, you know, that what they're doing is bad. And because Ananda has, uh, has had some litigation against us and even had a judgment against us at one point that was false, but nonetheless it happened, you can read lots of criticism if you want to. You know, if you want to find something, you know, you can always find someone who thinks what you're doing is terrible. And it's just like, and, and the, whatever they, the algorithms of the internet make sure that if somebody said something terrible, it's always there so that we'll have a balanced point of view. It's not my problem. And it's also a divine law that when you become committed to a good thing, this shadow force will try to take you away from it. And one of the ways it tries to take you away from it is tell you, tells you that you're being deceived. Negativity is a test that comes to every devotee. So I suggest to people, because often when they're new on the path, they, they don't really know. They can't argue. So my, my suggestion is respond with dignity. And you say, well, I, I, know, I thank you for telling me all about that. You know, so far it hasn't matched my experience. But I'm just taking this a day at a time, and I'll keep what you say in mind. And I will. And I'll keep weighing it against my own experience, and then I'll decide. And then there's no argument, because why would we argue? Especially, why would we argue? Even, as I say, the necessity to argue exposes the fact that we have some weakness. 
Because if we're completely comfortable, there's just no reason to argue. I don't need other people to believe what I believe in order to be happy doing it. So, my friends, he says, to be dignified in the true sense does not mean to be proud, pompous, or conceited. Dignity is his who lives calmly at his own inner center. A person of true dignity recognizes and bows to the divine in all. He keeps his mind open to the views and suggestions of others, but always weighs them first against the understanding he's acquired from his own experience. Joy to you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners, so if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation, or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.